I'm Rob. And I'm Nate. And welcome back to Rob and Nate Record a Podcast. Today's episode, we're going to be talking about the 2020 film Greyhound. Nate, this was your first time seeing this film? It was. This is my second time seeing it. Why don't you go ahead and give us your first reactions to this? First reactions. Do we really want to go into my first reactions, or should we say a little bit of background of what this film is? I want to hear your first reactions. Because I've been pretty quiet. Um, It gets better. So you didn't like the open, then? So, technically, this film is fine. It looks good. I feel like, technically, in the other sense, in terms of authenticity, the way things were during the war... I suspect it's better than average. I suspect it's a pretty dang accurate film. It feels real, but it never really brought me in. There wasn't really characters there that I felt a connection with. Tom Hanks, I suppose, the most of anyone by virtue of his being Tom Hanks. But there wasn't an emotional core to the film. So while it was technically sound and it felt very accurate and real, I didn't emotionally bond with this film basically at all. I think the film got better as it went on, and I thought... The last half hour or so of the film, when it said it's most action-packed, was was really good. Yeah. But uh, most of the film, I was bored. Really? Yeah. I'm a little bit surprised by that. Mm-hmm. I thought the Tom Hanks... I mean, obviously, the Tom Hanks character is the main one here. And I guess now we'll go ahead and dive into some background on this film. So Tom Hanks play, plays a Captain Krause, who this is shortly after the U.S.'s entry into World War II... Uh, he's an inexperienced U.S. Navy commander. As we find out at the end of the film, this is his first crossing of the Atlantic as you know, as the commander or as the captain. And they are being st- stalked by a group of German U-boat or yeah, U-boats and submarines that they call Wolf Pack. So there, uh, Tom Hanks is the captain of one of four ships, two British and I think two American that are escorting 37 ships containing supplies and soldiers to a convoy, Britain, yeah. a convoy in February of 1942. So very early in American direct involvement in the war. Yeah. And, you know, they, as mentioned, they come under attack by this group of German U-boats, and Tom Hanks has to do his... Well, Captain Krauss has to do his best to guide the convoy through and try and defend the convoy, as was common at this time uh, numerous boats were lost there was numerous casualties at one point the greyhound takes a direct hit three soldiers or three sailors are, are killed yeah this this hooked me pretty early that scene in the hotel and those early scenes on the boat you get an understanding uh, that captain kraus is a very religious man his religion is very important to him but so is his crew and he if I remember correctly, he mans the watch for something like 60 hours straight. Now, this is loosely based on a true story. It's based on a novel. It's based on a novel, and the novel was based on a true story. Oh, okay. Yeah, the novel is based on... And you had a neat story about how this movie came to be. The So the novel it's based on is The Good Shepherd by C.S. Forrester. And Tom Hanks, in an interview, stated that he was walking through an airport one day and walked into you know, one of those shops in the airport, mm-hmm. and saw the book on a shelf. And he picked it up, bought it, read it on the plane, and he enjoyed the novel so much that he began very gradually working on the screenplay. And it was one of these things that, in between movies, in between things that he had going on, he would just pick up and continue working on the screenplay. I don't remember how many years that he's been working on the screenplay, 
but it's he's been working on this he worked on the screenplay for several years before they finally you know yeah. got it finished and got around to filming it he does not while he wrote the screenplay he did not direct it it's directed by Aaron Schneider who has also directed not Into very the Storm much. Two Soldiers you know No that those uh he directed Get Low Get Two Low. Soldiers yeah. And Into the Storm, I believe, is a cinematographer on. And that that's half of what he's done is cinematography. I mean, the, the last film we made before this was Get Low in 2009. But yeah, I mean, it's there's some other anecdotes I'll, I'll tell you about as we go on. I'm, I'm guessing you probably didn't catch on to the main one I'll, I'll talk about. Okay. But yeah, this film hooked me. You know, it, it is a little bit slow starting out. It gets into some of the action fairly quickly. I mean, it's probably what 20 to 30 minutes in that they sink their first u-boat oh i I would think longer than that that first one yeah well i guess 30 plus minutes yeah Yeah. i didn't but it it becomes apparent as soon as they sink their first u-boat that captain kraus is not someone who enjoys killing Mm -hmm. he does not relish having to kill other people but he takes his job seriously yeah yeah it's also apparent that the crew is a little bit skeptical of him. Yeah. Like I mentioned, uh, we later find out at the end of the film that this is his first crossing of the Atlantic as a captain. So, Well, can you guess the film that this reminded me of the most? And a film I would rather watch than this film. Not sure. Run Silent, Run Deep. Well, yeah. I mean, I can see some of those connections. Yeah, there's, I yeah. mean, it's, it's different because that's the crew's on a submarine. Yeah, but here they also have a new captain. They have to deal with submarines. Yep. What I missed that this that that film had one of the things that film had that this film didn't is more emotional core to the characters. I I simply liked, felt more connected to those characters. And one thing I missed was more goings ons with the crew to kind of make make you invested in them. But I get that that's not like you could have take this story and make it as a World War Two movie. 50 years ago when when they had the the more ethnic crew kind of storylines you'd usually you'd have the italian and you'd, they'd be yeah. up to various hijinks and i get that they're not doing that that that's not what they wanted to do that this is a more serious treatment but it reminded me just in its basic structure of those kind of films and i missed feeling more for the people in the film like i would in an earlier world war Two yeah film to give you some rundown on some of the other characters in this, Elizabeth Shue plays Evelyn, which is Captain Krause's girlfriend at home. She is the only woman in the movie. Yes. Seen very briefly at the beginning and then in uh, some flashback memory scenes later on. Yeah. Stephen Graham plays a Charlie Cole. Matt Helm plays a Lieutenant Nystrom. Craig Tate plays Pitts. And Rob Morgan plays Cleveland. And the only other one I was going to mention is... I wonder if you can guess who the other person I wanted to mention was. I think that Hank, Sue, and Graham were the only people I really recognized in this. I think I might have recognized some of the other faces, but not that I could put... Lee Norris, messenger number two. Tell me about Lee Norris. You you would recognize him. He was in One Tree Hill, Gone Girl, Zodiac, and a long time ago, Boy Meets World. Okay. So... But yeah, I mean, it's it's a fairly small cast. Most of the characters in this film... Have are of little or no consequence. Mm-hmm. Um, we've covered the vast majority of it. The vast majority of it actually is just Tom Hanks. Yeah. In fact, it's kind of interesting. In the credits, I don't know if you saw this. Ian James Corlett 
gets the credit of Dickie. He is the entire boat. Oh, yeah? Maximilian Osinski gets the credit of Eagle. So those are the uh, two other boats in the convoy that they and, talked to on the radio. And Dominic Keating is Harry. So that's the I three that other name. boats. That's the three other boats, mm. and that's they're just the voice of those boats. Yeah. And so it's it's kind of, but it is kind of funny to look at the credits, and one person gets the credits for the entire ship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's this was a. It's not. I mean, it's fast paced towards the end, mm. but the majority of the film, this is very deliberate in its pacing. It's steady. It's it, a, it builds some tension. I, I, it's, that was a problem I had with it. I didn't think it built tension really until about halfway through the movie. Yeah. And I, I think it, it needed it. And, and Run Silent and Run Deep always had a sense of tension from the very beginning. And this did not. Because that started with the attack of the previous sub. So I almost feel like something bigger at the beginning might, might have helped it. I also think this would have worked much better on a big screen. Oh, by far. And this is one of those casualties of 2020. This was actually originally being put together by Sony. And I read that Apple paid Sony $70 million to purchase the rights. Wow. But this has also been the single largest release on the Apple TV streaming service. Mm-hmm. So that, this that resulted in the biggest numbers for Apple TV. Oh, wow. So One other thing I liked about it was it wasn't trying to reinvent the wheel and it wasn't too long. And one thing I told you before we started the film, this film is not trying is not pretending to be something that it's not. It's not trying to be the definitive yeah. story of what it's a story about. It's a World War II story. Yeah. This has a box office budget of an estimated fifty million three hundred thousand yeah. dollars. I heard that. So it's interesting that Apple was able to purchase it for seventy million from Sony. I guess at that point Sony just looking at the Breaking landscape them. of twenty twenty yeah. was just like, okay. Modest you know, we made it, we made a little bit of money on it. We'll let it go. Apple can do what they want with it. Again, I, I'm as you mentioned. I'm disappointed this wasn't something we've yet seen in the theaters. I hope at some point we get the opportunity to see this in the theater. I wonder if that might have actually been good for the movie financially. I mean, not creatively, because again, this would have been better to see on a big screen. But would it have made seventy million dollars on theatrical release? I think if you put the advertising into it, I'm sure it would have. I mean, World War II movies tend to do fairly well in the theater. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's be honest about that. And Tom Hanks. I mean, you put Tom Hanks in the theaters, you're probably going to get $70 million. Yeah. So, I don't know. What else do you want to say about this? Well, I mean, there's a fair number of events in the film. You've got the relationship Tom Hanks has with the man that serves him his food. Yeah. Who's always trying to get him to eat, but he can't eat because he's super stressed. Yeah. Uh, and he drinks gallons of drinks coffee. Drinks of coffee. I was going to mention that I commented that this is just one long, depressing coffee commercial. <laughs> I wanted to see, like, the Wilkins coffee logo at the end. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wilkins presents yeah. Greyhound. Pretty much the only thing he consumes through the duration of this film is, is coffee. Yeah. So, but that's, you know... The movie starts out there in high seas. That they're, they're not going to be able to serve very much. And then pretty quickly they're engaged. You know, and they have a certain radius in which they can have air support, and then they have they it's what they call the pit. There's the gap yeah. in air support on either 50-ish side. Fifty-ish hours worth. It was I think it was originally supposed to be sixty hours okay. or something like that. So and they have to zigzag a bit in the crossing because they have to avoid U-boats, and so that well, it's you more just making straight... their pattern less predictable yeah, to make exactly. it harder for the U-boats. Exactly. To, yeah. yeah. So it it takes a while, obviously. Tom Hanks' character is getting very little sleep. He is running on coffee. 
even though you know things happen in this film it's not just them sitting on the boat there's scenes where they they have conflict with u-boats several times where they're dealing with depth charges where they're dealing with damage to the boats and they lose some of the boats in the convoy but there's really not a lot that that's memorable like there there's not a lot that like sticks out to me as like mountains on the landscape of the events of this movie it's it's a lot of variations on the same thing yeah you know personally i enjoyed this film again to me it was not trained pretending to be something that it's not so this is not going to be an overly exuberantly rated film but i i enjoyed it i had no problem watching that i'm sure i'll come back to this a few times in the future but yeah it was i felt like it was a solid film you felt connected you felt invested yeah you cared i enjoyed the tom hanks character yeah mm-hmm. yeah i mean obviously there's really only two people you care about tom hanks and his xo mm-hmm. you know that other guy but yeah I think we're, this is going to be a relatively short episode, so yeah, might as well now that. move into ratings. Nate, how would you rate this movie? Two out of four, probably five out of ten, six out of ten maybe. I like this more than you. I would rate this two and a half out of four on the on the four-star scale and seven out of ten on the ten-star scale. Again, I rather enjoyed this. I think if you like World War II movies, you'll find a certain amount of enjoyment in this. If you like sea movies, you'll probably enjoy a certain amount of this. But yeah, anything else to say on this? Not really. Well, I'm Rob. I'm Nate. And this is Rob and Nate Record a Podcast. Bloop. Yeah, I'm a little surprised you didn't like that. Mm-hmm. I just couldn't get into it. Any, any idea why? I don't know. I just, you, I just I wasn't feeling it until pretty late in the film. Do you regret having watched it? No, I don't regret having watched it. It was fine. Yeah. I, li- I liked the idea of the film more than I liked the execution of the film. I liked that it was smaller in scale. Again, that it wasn't trying to reinvent the wheel, that it was going to be like any of those, for lack of a better word, throwaway World War II movies that they made yeah. in huge numbers for really decades. And I liked the idea of it being one of those, and it kind of was. But it was also, you know, that I, I didn't have anybody to lock on to, really. I mean, there was just no emotional investment. It was all the So you just really things. didn't connect at all with the Captain Krauss? No, not really. I mean, he gets residual Tom Hanks goodwill, uh, but the character itself was kind of, it was an understated character, and I do kind of like that. I mean, I, we've all known the quiet, capable religious types that are kind of boring. <laughs> I mean, they're they're admirable, but they're kind of boring. And this whole film kind of had this uh, tone of there was a piousness to it, but also a dullness to it. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. One thing I forgot to mention, one little filming error that I'd kind of indicated to you. There's one scene where when they're on the bridge, you see water dripping on Tom Hanks' hat and in front of his face. Mm. There's no way for water to drip into the cabin of the ship, you know, like where they're at in the ship. The studio where they were filming, obviously they built relatively small studios, for, mm-hmm. you know, for the or small sets for the the cabin there on the or the the wheelhouse on the mm. ship and it the roof on it was leaking oh but they had a tight filming schedule so tom hanks finally was like we got to film and they couldn't take it out in post you know without going to crazy yeah. expensive measures and so it's just there but there would have been no way for water to get into the the wheelhouse in an actual boat so he talks about that in, in a couple of interviews that i've listened to about it so yeah, $50 million budget. I think we pretty much covered everything, so...
You're Rob. And I'm Nate. Well, we already did that. <laughs> I, I am kind of curious, like, how someone like Apple TV would rate the success of this, you know, because they paid $70 million for it. How many people have to watch it on their service for them to consider it worth it? I don't know much about Apple TV in terms of how they release that. But my impression, at least as reference directly to Netflix, is Netflix is kind of famously cagey about it. Like, you can tell a show's doing good for Netflix if it gets renewed, but you don't know how good it's doing. Yeah, because they don't release their viewership yeah. numbers. So they're not playing on an even Nielsen yeah. or box office kind of... You, you don't get a sense of how they're doing, really. Yeah. Which is interesting. Well, in particular with Netflix... Especially as much money as they're funneling into. I, I almost don't understand how that's a viable financial model. Uh, this is a conversation many movie watchers having on the Netflix side. Mm. Other services are doing it much more sustainably, but Netflix seems to be leveraged to the hilt. Yeah. So, Apple TV seems to be doing okay. I don't know if they ever release. I've never looked for it, but I don't know if they release any subscriber numbers. You know, but I mean it's. Based on subscriber numbers, it's relatively easy to figure out how much they're taking in. Mm. So, But Apple TV has been working on deals with quite a few people. They've produced a few shows. That morning show show that they did, mm-hmm. that was pretty good. Mm-hmm. With Steve Carell. Reese Witherspoon. Jennifer Reese Witherspoon, Aniston. yeah. Yep, Jennifer Aniston. That was, that was pretty good. We watched the first season of that. I believe a second season's coming out pretty soon. I tried watching that For All Mankind show, mm-hmm. and it lost me pretty eagerly. Yeah. But that's an alternate... History type show. I think like, M. Night Shyamalan has a, has a yeah. show on Apple, too. Yeah, he does. Give me one second. I'll pull it up and show you. Which I've heard is... Nah. I haven't checked it out yet. I kind of want to watch it. I've heard mixed things about it, though. Of course, I showed you the uh, Werner Herzog content on there. Uh-huh. Oh, it's, I believe the M. Night Shyamalan Servant, is Servant. Yeah. And then so. they've got the reboot of uh, Amazing Stories. Uh, the Spielberg anthology series from the 80s which is one of the first shows i remember watching on television that wasn't aimed exclusively at children hmm. yeah i'm not familiar with that one so it's twilight zone family twilight zone basically is what it is i've heard good things about dads um but i've had trouble getting motivated to, to watch that um the one i want to see is on the rocks that's the sofia coppola yeah yep sofia coppola with Bill Murray and Rashida Jones. Yep. I only, last week, I watched the uh, Very Merry Christmas, the special that they did for Netflix Netflix back in 2015. I never finished that. Also had Rashida Jones in it. And it was very much a Sofia Coppola holiday special. It was was a super idiocentric thing, that thing. Yeah. Fun. All right. Well, I'm going to end this.